0: Get In Losers, we're doing podcasts.
1: Get In Losers, we're doing podcasts. Yes, I love it. This is The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon.
0: And I am Dante of Earth Nation.
1: This week on the Mud Peddlers, we are doing a follow up to our kind of two part series on uh, Eureka moments. Long story short, uh, I did a AMA or Ask Me Anything before I left for my trip to Morocco and Spain with my father. Dante, you were distracting me.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm smelling my uh, dirty girl's uh, wooden rib tool. Wooden rib tool. Yeah. Are Are you four
1: Yeah. Mhm. It
0: still smells like Ohio.
1: <laughs> yeah, I found out apparently I'd been holding on to it since we got back. So I'm giving it to you today. But thank anyway, you. thank you. So we are answering and and sort of continuing or extrapolating on the question that harta.vs asked on Instagram, which was among other things asking what was one of your biggest eureka moments when trying to master a form or trying to make a new glaze? And did you get there by trial and error or did you do a bunch of calculations and thinking? What do you think is the best way to make breakthroughs as an artist like that? So Last week we were talking, or last episode, we were talking more about, like, kind of directly answering that question about, like, more of the technical side of, yeah. like, when we've had technical breakthroughs. But I thought it would be interesting to also discuss some uh, emotional breakthroughs, since Ooh. I think those can be, they can be as important as the uh, technical breakthroughs. Right. So We um, did a lot of
0: technicals last time.
1: We did a lot of technicals. Yeah. yeah,
0: we did, like, an hour of technical. <laughs> Which is, I had a lot of technicals. I had a yeah. lot of, but, I mean, I could I could probably tie in some, emo- a, a lot of the emotional things are just mental gymnastics, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I but I think it's, like, it's important because so much of the, of I feel like, of those kind of breakthroughs really shape our lives. And, you know, whether you do ceramics as a hobby or, or professionally or you do ceramics semi-professionally and you also have another job, you know, however you're doing it, it's, like, there's the technical side of what we do and then there's the emotional side of what we do. Yeah. And I think those are two aspects that are worth a worth talking about a little bit there's definitely
0: there's definitely uh hurdles that you're gonna have to either let go or jump over mentally yeah in in Our profession i guess you would say Uh and it's like a lot of those connect to the emotional breakthroughs i would say
1: yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's funny because at first i was like wow i can't really think of any like big emotional breakthroughs and then i'm like wait so (laughs) because so there's been there's been a few different ones over the years and they usually end up as conversations with my mom because she's awesome and she's kind of my sounding board for a lot of like your mom's pretty cool she's pretty great Um, i like her a lot i'm glad she's my mom Anyway, um, (laughs) so she, she's often my sounding board for when I'm either, you know, struggling with something in art or in life or basically anything. She's just my kind of life sounding board. Right. And I had, (laughs) I've had various times where I've kind of just been like, what is going on in my life? And that one of the earlier kind of breakthroughs I remember experiencing was actually right after I applied for grad school for Mm. the first time. Um, or wait, no, I've actually only applied for grad school once. This was back in, like, 2015, right. maybe? This was only a couple years. Because I graduated from UC Santa Cruz in, in 2013. And I was still kind of, I still had that idea that it's like, yeah, you you at should some point should go to grad school. And I yeah. think there's, you know, there's some debates about that. But that actually kind of was related to one of the big breakthroughs that I had. Because when I was applying for grad school, I had a hell of a time writing the like essay prompts that they that they gave.
0: Why? Why is that?
1: Well, that kind of came down to the breakthrough. The essentially what I was struggling with is something that, you know, you all have heard me talk about before, but it was really the first time that I really realized that I felt like it felt like the people who were in power in art did not think that my that my work was valuable. And I didn't really realize that that was what I was feeling until I was literally like crying in front of my mom, like talking about because I was just I was really struggling to write out, you know, these essay and these essay prompts. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was this sense that, well, kind of like, what's the point of my applying to grad school because I feel like I have to be somebody that I'm not if I'm going to get in, because if I talk about, you know, if I talk about that, I love making creatures and stuff. That's not going to be seen as being valuable. Yes. And what's interesting is that I think over the, you know, the past, you know, you know, however many years I have found ways to kind of talk about why I love the things that I love in a way that can also work in an academic context, which is an interesting kind of bridge-building exercise I think I've had to do. Yes. But just going through that process of realizing, like, oh, I don't feel like people think my work is valuable. Like, just being able to verbalize that was a huge breakthrough in understanding the conflicts that I was feeling with where i wanted to take my career whether i was going to go to grad school and kind of all all of those things and
0: they're the high in your mind at least when you're in school they're the higher ups too like right they're the people who have the say so not really but kind of emotionally in what your work ought to be or the value yes of
1: and no in a very very much so like yeah. if if you know when you're in that program these people have the ability to either grant you access to getting a master's yes. or they can block you they are and, the connection yeah And I've had a few conversations with, you know, with just as informational interviews, I've had some conversations with students who have gone through the master's programs at some of the universities or one of the universities that I was looking at going to. And I'm not going to say which one, but they were essentially saying like, yeah, I kind of had to make work that I wasn't interested in making because I had to get my master's and I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that under the tutelage of the professors in this grad program.
0: Speaking speaking on that same note, I've noticed, and I don't know if this is a generational thing, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is just like an art world thing that I don't have access to yet, but I noticed there's definitely a higher tier of artists, generally older, that will make these things that seem, to me at least, to be very basic. Like, they'll make an apple, and they'll slice the apple in half, then they'll sculpt an orange, and they'll put it together, and they'll make a little crown up there, and they'll mm-hmm. call it like... Ambrosia, and they'll be like, it speaks to the biblical sense. <laughs> of. And I'm like, you just sculpted an apple and an orange, and you f- put them together, dog. Stop it.
1: <laughs> See, okay, so I think in my mind, that's kind of like, that's one of those, cap- no, I shouldn't say capital A art versus lowercase A art. Right. To me, that's like art in an academic context. Yes. That, which is important. Like, I think it's important that we have room for that kind of highly conceptual work. Yes. Even if it kind of looks like, to to some degree, like, oh, you're just making an apple and an orange and putting it together. And to some degree, I feel like you could make that same argument about, like, my creatures. Like, oh, you're just making fantasy art. You're just making creatures. And it's like, yeah, you could say that, but there's also a lot more that goes into it. Of course. But, But I hear what you're saying in terms of that. I think there is... Oftentimes, a like sometimes there can be some overlap. Like, I feel like at Inseca, I saw a lot of overlap between the thing. kind of, yeah, the kind of more like conceptual work versus the more like more functional work, I guess I would say, that didn't focus as heavily on conceptual ideas. Yes. But I think there is often, especially when you're looking at academic versus non-academic context, that gulf between those two communities feels like really big sometimes.
0: For me, at least, I don't think my issue is that I don't think it does not deserve a space because I think Mm -hmm. it does. Yeah, I think it's important. I just don't agree with the mentality that capital A art, especially in the higher tiers of the art world, is all that matters. And Agre- yeah, I totally agree. Whenever I go that. into like a higher tier of the art world or whenever I go into a school, I genuinely find 90% of them are like, oh, it speaks to the time in which human beings used to, and I'm like, stop. You, you're you acting like this, concept- this conceptualization of work is the only thing that matters to the art world. When you're talking about only the tales of the heads and tails of the coin, like you're talking about 50% mm-hmm. of the thing as if it's the entire quarter. And I'm, I'm just not, I don't know. I don't appreciate yeah. that. Usually the higher tiers of the art world pretend as if the concepts of art are all that matters when realistically there's a whole other side of the story. Yeah. And that's my frustration.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that's like, yeah, that's where a lot of my Anger. Yeah. Anger. <gasps> yeah. And yeah, I mean, cause, cause it's anyway, and again, you know, yeah. I've, I've had many different breakthroughs over the years that have helped me like deal with that more. It's a big one
0: for you. It's a, it's a, huge, it's a one. huge one for you. Well, cause
1: I mean, honestly it was so, it was so much shaped by my experience at Santa Cruz where it was like even more so I felt like, yeah, like the couple of times that I, that there were other artists in the, in our like in my classes yes. who had that kind of similar fantasy sort of bent yep. like, Oh my God. Like I'll never forget in my, one of my sculpture classes, we had the opportunity to do some metal work and I, and I had already taken a metal working class. That's hard. It was rad. Ugh. It was super rad. So, it, you know, so again, there were many different ways that people, you know, took the, took the project, but this one particular person essentially made like a metal sword. And when we were in critique, I I so strongly remember talking about, like, oh, yeah, like, this sword is really interesting because it's kind of a combination of, like, like a gladius and a scimitar, which is, like, interesting cultural combinations. Yes. And I just remember being, like, like, looking around and, like, even, like, the professor was like, okay, so it's, it's, the professor essentially pointed out that there was a linguistic difference between how I was talking about her art and how a lot of the other cohort was talking about her art. Yes. Because of the... Playing a bunch of fantasy games and where yes. you kind of just by osmosis kind of like when you're playing a bunch of You know first-person shooters you kind of learn about different guns. Oh, I know
0: more about guns than I need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't even own that many guns and like I know more about what I end up calling things scout rifles when they're just uh, rif- when they're just long-range. rifles. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, but it's true But it's like you you kind yeah. of you get different information. So it was interesting to see like oh you know in that situation I was able to observe different things because of the like history of playing video games, and, yeah. and again, not to say that that's necessarily better or worse, but more that like in that moment it was like, "You're a nerd too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're both fantasy <laughs> nerds. Yeah." So it's like, yeah. So, I, yeah. It's been a long. I can see
0: your frustration. With yeah, it. I can no, definitely it's, see.
1: It's. I, I. I think it's. Yeah. I. I will still probably always carry a bit of frustration about that because it's just it honestly like those experiences shaped the way that I, you know, approached my my life and my business. And I think what's been interesting is this kind of connects to like another emotional, like kind of breakthrough moment that Mm -hmm. I had. Mm -hmm. So like a few years ago, probably in 2018, I think it was 2018 or 2019, I was still kind of feeling like I was going I was I was trying to straddle the distance between the art world and what I saw is like the the world of like you know film and video games and fantasy and that and like you know. Sci-fi and that kind of thing. Right. And I experienced that by, you know, it's like I would still, I was applying to art shows more often. You know, I was going to, uh, going to art shows some, but I was also going to things like Monster Palooza, which is this big convention down in Pasadena Mm -hmm. that's, you know, it's all about monsters. So it's like, so I went down there. That's for you right It was was amazing. Like three of my favorite artists that I like love their work were all going to be down there. And I was like, oh my God, I got to go. Yeah. So... What what was interesting kind of about that time period and like there were, I guess I'll say, and sorry, I know I'm kind of like going on and I'm, I'm on listening. like a book. Okay. I'm here for it. All right. So I'll try and, I will try and make this as concise as I can.
0: I, my job is to yes. And not to rush you.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So there were a couple different conversations I remember having in that sort of time period where I was more explicitly trying to straddle that gap between those two worlds. Mm-hmm. And so one of them was, again, a conversation I had with my mom, as always. As always. As always. And it was kind of around the idea of where I should be spending my time marketing. Because obviously, when you, you know, are mm-hmm. trying to grow your own business, you have to kind of figure out, like, okay, where is my audience? How Like, where do I spend my time advertising? And it was interesting because, so my mom was a children's recording artist in the Sacramento area. You know, she performed, she, you know had cds she you know her music is in the little boxes at fairy tale town mm-hmm. which is for those who aren't in the sacramento area it's like a little it's like a little kids uh theme park where it's like yeah. all based on fairy tales i'm
0: not allowed to what? not for any real, real as, as it is specifically for children yes and i've wanted to go in there so many times and just like you know you know me, yeah. I'm like, some cool sh-. Here, But they look at me as a fully grown male and J- they're like, you can't go in here by yourself. Yeah,
1: to be honest They actually okay knowing yeah. that if you want to go in there They have ice cream socials over the summer where like as an adult you can go in. Oh good. We should hella go I'm I used to love fairy
0: tale town when I was a kid yeah. and then as I got older that like I got more weird looks and I was like Oh, I'm a threat to you. Yeah, <laughs> I can't come in here without a child or a woman <laughs> It's okay I get it. Like yeah, I mean, when I walk out of the gym and there's a lady in front of me, I walk slower. Yeah, because I don't. You know, I'm yeah, aw- you I'm aware of what I look like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, so my mom's her background with marketing was kind of more along the lines of like you know advertising to you know like trying to get a, an article in the paper or there's a, a magazine for the Sacramento area called SacMag and you know, she would try and like, you know, she ended up getting featured in that a couple of mm-hmm. times. You know, she, she, in terms of like the broader Sacramento, like <laughs> normie culture, I guess you could say, Normies. normie culture, you know, she, she was like, that was the kind of the world she came from. And so we were talking about, you know, what kind of advertising I should do that was in that sphere. And, and I was kind of, I was having trouble because it was like, I know that for instance, getting into art shows, getting, you know, being able, you know, having an article about my work in a magazine or whatever, like that, that is its own kind of, or that has its own kind of publicity. Mm -hmm. And it has, it conveys a certain kind of social clout that is important in those kind of more upper spheres or within like the broader kind of umbrella culture of wherever you are, right? But there is this other element where it's like, okay, sure, but is that my experiences were that when I engaged more in that world, I had a harder time finding people who like, like they would think my work was neat, but it was like, it wasn't really like my people, if that makes sense. That's interesting,
0: but I don't like it.
1: Kind of. Or it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. But it's also like that doesn't translate into sales. So that kind of comes into the second conversation that I had with Cody, for those who don't know, Cody's my partner and he was kind of, you know, his background is very different than my mom. So this is kind of two ends of the spectrum. So my mom's perspective was success and and this is broad generalizations, but her perspective was like success and, you know, marketing comes from that world of magazines of broad popular kind of, you know, normie culture, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And that means success looks like getting your work into shows. Success looks like having lots of different gallery shows and, and, you know, getting your getting people talking about your work in the culture section of the magazine or the newspaper and that kind of thing. Cody's perspective was like, sure getting your sculpture into an art gallery is great and if that sells, that's great. But Lindsay, you just sold out at anime which has an attendance of 25,000 people that's right yeah so it's kind of like it was this really interesting clash of trying to determine what success looks like and where I should be spending my time because you know sure it was great that I was you know getting my work into gallery shows and and I still sometimes will apply to shows it's just not the main thing that I do because I because it was like my how my business model was going to shape up really depended on which world I kind of wanted to be more a part of. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of want to be a part of both, but I don't care as much about whether I get recognized in the kind of marketing world that for instance, my mom more kind of came from. And by the way, just in case anybody's wondering, my mom is super supportive of me, whichever way I went, she was more just sharing her perspective on her background of marketing and stuff like that. So can I,
0: can I give a little mental breakthrough of my own real quick. Yes, please. Can I give you a little bit of Kanye right here? Yeah, give not me. the new Kanye. Not new Kanye. Old not Kanye. new Old Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really tired of people who don't know what value is telling me what value my artwork has.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
0: that is the most based opinion I can give. Mm-hmm. I'm super tired of the upper echelons of the art world telling me that's not really valuable to us Yeah. when I'm like, you, you don't know what valuable is. Mm. Not only that, art is super, super contextual. Like the value of something to one person is completely different from another yeah. person. On top of that, I have never met or heard about historically or in person about an, a really popular, really valued historical or like right now artist that was like, yeah, I just did what of the art world told me to do and they let me be part of their circle. I've never kn- mm. like Salvador Dali doesn't give a shit. Oh my god, you know like he might have played the game a little bit But he also walked an anteater in the middle of a street and threw it through a chair out of a Macy's window like did he really? <laughs> Bless. he was wild the I art world that. actively kind of avoided him for a while
1: How how do you I so guys? I'm curious like I have my own perception of and my own experiences with like that kind of amorphous, sometimes amorphous, sometimes specific person idea of like the upper echelons conveying the idea that my work is invaluable. How have you experienced that dynamic of like where, what... What have you experienced that has given you that impression that this upper echelon doesn't value our work It's not or as or the, work?
0: It's right? not as though the upper echelon doesn't value the work because in, in, my, in my experience, there's like the art economy and the art economy only values what you can sell and what you can produce. And from that, you get a lot of tiki-taki stuff, you know, and like, you get a lot of mugs, essentially. Okay. You get a lot of bowls, you get a lot of functional things, things that are usable that can be sold. Mm-hmm. Um, craft, as it were, if, if mm-hmm. I were to call it yeah. that. There is some argument there. But then you also get the upper echelons of people who, in my experience, are just full of bullshit. Right. Who are just giving But
1: how how do you experience that? Like are are these like conversations you've had with individuals? I promise Are these things I'll give you, you an read? Example. Okay, okay. I promise. Okay, thanks, you. Sorry, I'm just I'm, like, I'm, I'm eating su- into it. Because I'm super curious. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, carry on.
0: So I I meet a lot of people who are just full of bullshit. Where they'll see something and they'll give it a context in which the artist, usually me, is like That's that's not what it's about at all, bro. But if you want to stroke yourself off, go ahead. And I specifically remember... Yoshio was so nice about this. I talked to him after. I specifically remember I was in an art show that Yoshio had set up and I had made this really big fine piece out of Coleman porcelain And it was like red and black and was the first time I discovered that low fire glazes can be used at high Mm. fire just fine Yeah, and it made this beautiful melt and I was spraying my work So all the colors went in Mm. and my whole brain was like this is super skillful This is like this is like porcelain and it's weighted correctly and I made Ron Roy's high gloss black on it myself mm-hmm. and I discovered that you can make something red at low fire on a hive. Oh my God, yes. It's super skillful. But there was no story behind it. There was right. no context. It was just that it, the color was pretty mm-hmm. and it was super skillfully made. Yeah. It was in the time in which I was into those shapes. And I remember going to an art show and this guy walked up. I was looking at my own piece at mm-hmm. the time on a pedestal and I was like looking at it from maybe like five, six feet away. And I was just kind of looking at it like, yeah, I did a good job. Uh-huh, and yeah, yeah, a yeah, good job. And this guy came up and started talking to me, mm-hmm. just out of nowhere, which is fine. And he was like, it's a nice piece. And I go, yeah, it's, it, yeah, I think it's a nice piece. And as I was about to say something else, he goes, you know, the two pieces at the top signify a type of duality. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I heard this is one of Yoshio's. And he, he was talking oh. to me as if he had no, he didn't know it was me. He thought it was one of Yoshio's. Well, he thought it was one of Yoshio's students. He oh, goes, oh, I oh. heard this is one of Yoshio's students. Oh, okay, yeah. He was just like blowing smoke up the ass of this piece. Oh
1: my god. And
0: he was just like, yeah, the bl- this guy really knows his blends, you know. Like, he's like, I, that's a black, and you can get black anywhere, you know, he goes, yeah, he just start talking and talking and talking, and he was talking about the duality of the piece, at the top there was this cross-sectional little piece, uh-huh. and he goes, it's really difficult to get something from that large to that small of a mouth, and I was like, yeah, it and I tried to keep on being like, it's me, yeah but he was just like, yeah, are you an art? Are you? And I was like, well, yeah. I, and after a while I figured out he doesn't fucking know. Oh. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I like the piece. And he goes, are you like a potter? Are you? And it slowly became a tone of like talking down to me. Like you wouldn't fucking know, right? Oh, you wouldn't know. Oh my God. And I've experienced this maybe five times in my life. Oh wow. Not this scenario, but something where someone who considers themselves in the upper echelons of the capital A art world, describing a piece that has nothing to do with the conceptualization of the piece when you talk to the artist mm-hmm. and they've come up with this fantastic f-ing story. Yeah. Where they've just decided to blow smoke of, oh, historically speaking, this is yada, yada, yada. And then you ask the artist and they're like, I just like red and black. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I, yes, it was totally. made of porcelain and I thought it was cool. And I, I cannot stand people who are constantly telling me the value of work when they have no idea what the value of it is. Mm. And you, I know that art is up for interpretation based on its concept and it doesn't have to be uh, from the source of the artist. I get yeah. that art is kind of processed through conceptualization and how you feel about it mm-hmm. when you experience it. Mm-hmm. But those specific instances are people that are just, you're, you're full of shit. <laughs> you are so full of and you know you're full yeah. of, You're trying way too hard to be upper class when like the kid with the dirty clay shoes is the one who made the piece that you're just stroking it to, mm. uh, it, it bugs me so much.
1: That is, oh my god, that's so interesting. And I
0: don't, I don't meet them a lot.
1: Yeah, I yeah. especially
0: online, I don't meet them a lot anymore because mm-hmm. I think people know what my work personally is about. Yeah, but I've essentially just learned to ignore these people. Yeah, and they, they, they feel as though they are the people who have the mantle of responsibility to somehow regurgitate. Historical sentences as if it was uh, valuable to the work you're experiencing. Yeah. As if, like, let me tell you how to experience this art. Oh. And yeah. I can't stand it. I can't. I just developed a glaze that I've been working on for like six months. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's very valuable. Yeah. No matter what I see it on, it's very, very. And to other, like, glaze people, they're like, wow, you did that in cone. You made a good red in cone six oxidation? Mm-hmm. That's really valuable. That's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But to other people who. Aren't part of that world or didn't create it. They're probably like "Yeah, nice red.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah yeah, yeah yeah, and in
0: that same way I'm I'm just super tired of people telling me the context and the value of my work When they don't know what the value is they have no idea and as soon yeah. as I made that mental breakthrough and just mm-hmm. decided to ignore The capital a art people who are just who are just pretending to be something. They're not realistically I it freed my work so much more wow it immediately made like I'm gonna make what I want to make
1: do you feel like before that you had been trying to make work that appealed to a certain kind of
0: audience? For a while, I did, and then Yoshio had a really good talk with me, and he goes, "It's I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was basically said there are things that are valued in the art world that like we culturally aren't going to value." Mm-hmm. And he he like showed me a couple pictures, and he goes, "This is valuable with like potters and yeah. sculptors like this, but as a culture, they seem to like these things." Mm-hmm. And I'm totally paraphrasing. But he's like, you probably won't care. Like, we we as people, we as the ones who make the work, don't yeah, give a damn. Right. He goes, but the a lot of people who don't even make the work, realistically, mm. will pretend as if. You know what they'll, I mean? They'll
1: assign value where the... Where there is none, where, none but... Yeah, or a different... Di- I'll, maybe I'll say this. Different value. They assign a different value, and then instead of kind of leaving room for other views of what makes this piece valuable, they say that, or they give the impression, or sometimes outright say that like, this interpretation is the only interpretation.
0: It's almost emotional, not emotional, it's almost like, yeah, I'll give it that. It's almost like emotional gatekeeping. Like, I made this piece, you didn't know I made this piece, and you see it, and you give it a value, and then you go, this is the value of it, everyone. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everyone, this piece is good for this reason. Yeah. And then the artist is like, yo, I I didn't, no, that's not true. Yeah. (laughs) Yo, that's not, I'm, uh, shut up, nerd. You don't know. Actually, I made it. So maybe shut up yeah. like and I, I experience More of that than I would like to but mm-hmm. for my to, to cap that off my mental breakthrough was to just ignore them yeah. To just ignore them and like I like playing my own game and to reiterate. I've never heard about or The, the game is definitely to be played but most of the time you hear about really popular artists, it's because they played their own games so well mm. that the art world in and of itself couldn't ignore them. Mm. It's, I I don't know. I don't meet many people who play by the rules and get famous huh. off their work. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? I, encourage,
1: I Basically, yeah, like I, yeah. I agree with you. Because... I encourage
0: almost every weird thing that someone wants to do now Yeah. because I think it's, like, it's another branch of the tree that you can go down. It's mm-hmm. another branch of the path.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but like... I try and be honest with people when I'm like that has been done before. Yeah. But we can, I can still work on it with you because it's another tool on the belt of craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. But like, whenever someone's like, "What if I do this, this, and this?" I'm like, "Do it, (laughs) please, please do it. Put the pictures on Glazy and then report back to me. Yeah. So we can learn as a cohort.
1: Yes, yes. You know
0: what I mean? But like, if the art world in general goes, I don't really like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what you don't like.
1: And I, I feel like you're drinking your wine and cheese. Yeah. I mean, admittedly though, wine and cheese though, it do be
0: pretty tasty. Well, you tasty. are a cheese person. I am a
1: s- totally cheese person. But what I, what I love about that is that it helps free up what success means. Uh, yeah. Like be, because again, it's like, if you're always trying to measure yourself by that other standard and, and you're, and you don't quote unquote succeed in that way, yeah. it diminishes the other ways that you are successful. And I think, recognizing that, like, I mean, because again, you know, in my experience, the biggest thing was like recognizing that like, oh, yeah, like I really, I recognize that the world of galleries and the world of like capital AR or whatever, it it does have some, some power to it. Like if you get recognized by that, you get a certain kind of power. Yeah. But A, that doesn't guarantee financial success, which is a huge one. And then another one is that you can find success in other areas that, you know, like, again, like, you know, selling at conventions, or you know, for you, like you've created this whole business around your YouTube channel and around educating people. Calling it a, okay, calling it a business, I don't know. It's a business. I don't know. About it's a, a, business. Business. a business. Know about business. It is. It's it's the world of what you do and what you make, and it's it's. I'm
0: just trying to make sure these hoes know what's what.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, I I, I would like to say to your point, mm-hmm. if I really think about it on an interpersonal level, mm-hmm. if you like making work. Like yourself, yeah. and it seems to you that you're getting the vibe that the capital A art world—I will call it that as a general term—doesn't mm-hmm. really enjoy that. If you then decide to start playing by their rules, or you decide to go hundred percent into their territory and go, "Okay, I'll just make what you like," you're not really making work for yourself. You're not really making yeah. your art. You're mm-hmm. just making—you're just applying your skills to their aesthetic. Yeah, and which I don't like that.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, I think if you want to do that go for it. Like, I think ultimately it's about, do
0: you want to sell out? Go ahead.
1: I mean, that's that. Oh, go ahead if you I've want got so out. many issues with that term.
0: I know. Yeah. I, I know. Said. I know. You're just
1: baiting me. I know you're just baiting the f- out of me. It. Yeah. Oh, you just pulled aggro so hard. <laughs> <I'm sorry>. uh, <laughs> uh, but no, but I mean like that, that's the things that like it, it really doesn't matter if like, that's what you want to do. Because I mean, yeah. again, like you could look at, you know, someone could look at me who came to ceramics doing mostly sculpture but now because I want to do art full time and for me that means making a lot of mugs they consider that they someone could consider that selling out and for me I'm like well I like making mugs.
0: No, forget you. Yeah. Yeah, I like making mugs. Yeah. But if I start doing things that I actively don't like in order to appease the capital A R world I I do think there's a bit of an issue with that. I'm not going to say like no 100% full stop don't do it. Mm. But I I will I will say like I I couldn't imagine myself being happy as an artist or with my own work, if I were making work solely that I don't want to do in order to appease people that I feel like have the mantle of say so on my work. Yeah. And to reiterate again, I'm tired of people telling me the value of my work when they don't know the value of mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. especially because it's not their work. Yeah. And I'm t- I'm super tired of the capital A art world blowing smoke up the the pieces <laughs> ass just to like seem fancy. Yeah. Just shut up and get drunk at the party off your <laughs> wine, drink your cheese, get more calories than you need, go home. Watch flipping Digimon and go to sleep. Yeah. I love Digimon. Digimon's pretty great. I started naming my glazes after Digimon. I know you did. I know, I love it so much. <laughs> the cool thing yeah. about when you make your own glazes, you can name them whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And if they're good enough, people can't not call them that. They're like, yeah, what are you using? Angemon. Yeah. <laughs> Angemon, don't you mean like lilac bombast or lilac silk? No, it's called Angemon. Oh, Angemon. Yeah,
1: I think it's better that way. Is that
0: a Digimon name? Yeah, it's a Digimon.
1: <laughs> the fact that someone would recognize that indicates a level of know-how that makes me happy.
0: You know, uh, side point, right? Yeah. There is an a, there is an International Potter's That's Day. That's cool. And you're supposed to share the work of one of your favorite potters on like your social media oh. as part of it. Uh-huh and one of my favorite glaze chemists essentially made this as part of it and she saw my glaze on Glazy and then she put it in the thing. Oh, but do that's you, cool. Do you recognize that symbol? <gasps> the glaze? Oh my God. Oh my God, it's from, it's from f- It's f- the iron banner symbol from Destiny. Oh my God, I love that so much. But when I told her, I was like, oh yeah. And I gave her a bunch and I was like, here's a bunch of other pictures if you wanna use them. And she goes, I like this one. And, I was like, yeah, I like it. I think, I think the two wolves medallion is, is better. And she goes, oh, I just recognized those are wolves. <laughs> ah! And it, it kind of registered to me that like all the people experiencing this piece right uh-huh. here, I have no idea. That it's a that, that it's it's a, a destiny yeah, thing. They have no idea. But the amount of people who will go, oh, the wolves in between a tree that symbolizes the fight in yeah. every human being. But that's oh, okay. Oh, in between, it's from a video game.
1: Yeah, but that's okay because that's th- like okay cause my argument. I know we've kind of talked about this before, but I think the, <laughs> I think what's what's nice about that is that again, like for some people, that like it's important that people can have their own interpretation of art. If somebody connects with it that way that's fine. I think it's just about whether then you go to say that that's the only way that
0: that art can be interpreted. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I do enjoy other people's interpretation of my art because I I love when they give me the experience and what it means to them as just a yeah. life. like, oh yeah, it reminds me of a time when I was a little girl. Yeah, that that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, don't go to a crowd and be like, this is what it is. Yes. Ah, did you make that art? No, I didn't. But that is, that is what the interpretation is. Mm-hmm. I'm from the wine people. <laughs> I eat the cheese, I drink the wine, and I tell you what the value of art is. Yes. I will buy it for twice of what it's worth, which I decide the worth, by the way, mm-hmm. because I'm from the capital A art world. And me, the oh, nerd yeah. in the crowd, who's like, that's from a video game. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. you dumb. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, Not to say she, that she did yeah. that. She, she didn't do that yeah, at all. Yeah, no, no. I'm saying that there's those people out there. She's yeah. actually one of my favorite glaze chemists.
1: What I was thinking of as you were talking about this whole dynamic is I've been thinking of a couple instances where I've seen instances that have given me hope for there being more of a crossover in the chart of the kind of work that I'm interested in and the capital AR world. Oh yeah. They're not
0: segregated. Really? No, no, no. There's
1: sometimes, sometimes it can feel like there's a big gap, but there's a few instances that I kind of want to share to help in case folks feel also feel that sense of like, Oh, the kind of work I'm interested in making isn't valued because I think a lot of it is about a lot of it is about finding where people value your work a couple instances where I've seen that is there is a magazine called beautiful bizarre. And if I'm remembering that name correctly, and they are an art magazine that shows all kinds of work that, you know, again, is being shown in galleries is being shown in more traditional capital A art world spaces, but it kind of blends that line where it's just different kind of work. Like it's kind of work where I'm like, Oh, This is the kind of work that I could see showing up at like a film and video game festival, something like that. I can also think of Companion Gallery, which is, I can't remember where they're based out of, but that's their like Instagram handle is all Companion Gallery. And what I found great is that in their application, and I'm not sure if this is still the case, they may have changed it, but the last time I looked in their application for like trying to get, be be an artist showing in their gallery, they specifically have a section that kind of talks about like, yeah, like we don't need to hear a huge dissertation on the big meaning of your pieces. Like essentially they're kinda of saying they didn't use these words if I remember correctly, but they're essentially saying like don't be like Don't be extra. Don't be an, don't, be extra, don't about be extra about it. it. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we we don't we don't need your work to be
0: super life-changing capital
1: a art big big conceptual we essentially saying we don't need your work to be highly conceptual to
0: get in you're trying too hard i don't it it never whenever someone makes a highly conceptual piece and makes a big old dissertation on it sometimes it deserves that but it often gives me the vibe of like not you as an artist Mm -hmm. but the person looking at it whenever they give that speech of like oh yeah i'm like you're trying too hard man you i don't know you just gave me like a paragraph of historical it looks nice i don't know
1: I see I guess because I come from that more academic background, I feel like I have more room in my brain yeah. for leaving room for that kind of interpretation because I think to me it kind of feels like like reading Shakespeare because if you read Shakespeare there's a whole lot of words, there's a whole lot of things that like there's references that don't really make sense, yes, but if you learn about the historical context about you know, behind certain words or you learn that, oh yeah, this funny turn of phrase that doesn't make sense in our modern context, this is what it used to mean. It helps you understand the work better. And so to me, Sorry. what? As the Shakespeare thing. Yeah, I know. It's, I, the, it's like the only, like, I mean, right, again, though. it's like a super, it's Shakespeare. Because again, it's like that instance of like super high, it's considered intellectual spinach. Like it's important, obviously, but essentially what I'm trying to say is that some, just because it's a big, paragraph yeah. of information doesn't mean that it's not help, that it couldn't be helpful and interesting. But I also hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, it can feel like folks are trying too hard. Can I add something else though? Because I know you want to say something. Yeah, yeah, So one other instance that I've seen of people trying to navigate this space of what's good enough or what's not is uh, the artist uh, redivider. 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 Is this an artist or is this an item? This is an artist. So this person and I want to say another one another Person that they also like these two people applied to like a group a group show Mm -hmm. And they didn't get in and they actually posted a picture of the piece with the words like not good enough Yeah in the phrase and then they they talked about the experience, uh, kind of like what we're talking about, where it's like, oh, because they, they make work that's kind of that could be considered like kind of like within the horror genre. And so they're essentially observing that example of their work being considered like not good enough for a gallery. So it's interesting because I think so much of how people experience this dynamic depends on their background or just like kind of what they've experienced over the years. Mm -hmm. Because for some people, like, again, if you grew up looking at the beautiful Bazaar magazine and you saw all this crazy different work, you know, showing up in galleries, then you can kind of see like, Oh, all right, then there's space for me somewhere. But for me, who, my exposure to the art world was in a more academic context where it was like, I was only seeing a certain kind of work as being valued. That then gave me the impression that my work wasn't valued. But, But I'd say, I guess, it's a combination of, A, recognizing it can, where you can essentially say, screw it, Mm -hmm. and that, you know what, it doesn't matter if this group doesn't value my work, Mm -hmm. and also recognizing that there are, that there can be some unexpected areas where your work will be valued, given the right context, you know? Yeah,
0: I agree. Yeah, we, we are definitely products of our environment. Yeah. And so if you look at artwork from generation to generation, you'll slowly realize that, like, Oh, okay, I make anime art 40 years ago. That probably wasn't much of a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so when the capital A art world is like, yeah, hey, we don't really we don't really like anime artwork <laughs> We don't really value that you're like, "Well." What you value now is what was valued 40 years ago. And 40 years ago, they probably didn't like what you made either.
1: <laughs> yeah, They're values. just dead,
0: so they can't say so now.
1: Value changes over time.
0: Value changes over time. So yeah. don't, don't, that is a definitely a mental break. W- with the Shakespeare thing, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 I'm, carry I, on. I just imagine someone's like, you don't even understand the term. I bite my thumb at thee. Oh. <laughs> and someone in the corner is like, oh, yeah. Middle finger. How about that? <laughs> you understand it? And you understand the value of that? You get the context on that, you get the artistic contextual visualization on that. that it's my best. driving finger, right there. I don't know why he's a construction worker. Yeah. But, but yeah, that that to me kind of like that interaction kind of sums up the like the Shakespearean like I bite my thumb at the versus the guy who's like the middle finger. Mm-hmm. Same shit. Right. The same exact thing, really. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. one of them is just it's saying an- it in like a oh yes type of way. Ooh. And I feel like the art world really likes that. Oh yes.
1: Mm. Yes, but when it, when that was first written, it wasn't like an oh yes. Like yeah. it was it was our equivalent of giving someone the middle finger. Exactly. But it's just that. And, and that's the generational
0: change, I guess. Yeah, yeah, about.
1: very much so. Very much so. Yeah.
0: There's one other
1: breakthrough that I can think of.
0: Please. Okay. With the side of uh, a side of carrots and mash. Oh
1: yeah. Okay.
0: And peas. I like carrots. Peas do. Okay.
1: Okay. Peas do. You get it?
0: Yeah. Because mashed potatoes, carrots, and peas go together? I
1: get it. Yeah, like and then, bangers and, and mash. Then, and then peas. And, and then, then peas. Please. Did you understand? I get
0: it. All the way around there. Yeah. Yeah, dad jokes. I'm here for it. I'm a father. <laughs> there's dad's. There's there's Father's Day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's Daddy's Day. Oh, God.
1: Oh, God. I deserve
0: gifts on both.
1: Oh, boy. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, my last kind of emotional breakthrough that I can think of. Happened when I turned thirty, and it was funny because I was I wasn't really expecting to have like a oh I'm thirty I'm having a crisis type of crisis situation. At yeah. thirty? Yeah, there's like a thing about turning thirty and then like having like a crisis because you're thirty. It's not we're not we're not that old. Yeah. No, despite the various you know work that I've done over the years to try and to try and have confidence in my work to recognize that my work has value. Yes, I was still sometimes finding myself struggling with how to present myself. And in this particular situation, from what I can remember, it was when I was redoing my website again. It's always like when I have to start writing about myself is when these things end up coming up. Like the first time it was when I was applying to grad school. And in this situation, it was, I was trying to write the about me section for my website Mm -hmm. and what the breakthrough was, was the realization that like, I cannot be palatable to everyone, oh, hell like no. I can't make myself small enough and unobtrusive enough to not piss off or upset somebody, Get it. right? Yeah. Get so it. I'm like,
0: <laughs> oh. you're gonna hate me either way. I might as well do what I feel like doing. Basically, yeah. Yep.
1: And where that was difficult is because, again, like you know, I'm I'm you know I'm raised I'm a woman, right? Like I'm kind of on the gender fluid spectrum, but like I you know raised as a woman, so it's like I I have that aspect within my personality. It's like, oh, you have to please people. You have to, um, you know, accommodate, right? Or you have to, you know, you have to be careful about who you are because otherwise people will reject you. They're
0: not worth pleasing half the time.
1: Yeah. Um, And the thing that I was struggling with was feeling like as I am writing about myself and why I do what I do, it was like, am I writing for you know, the people who already follow my work? Am I writing for, you know, the gallery owners? It's like, it kind of was combined with how I presented myself online. It's like that issue of code switching, right? Even though it's not racially code switching, it's like-
0: You're still switching the code. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so I kind of had this like, again, conversation to my mom, you know, tears in my eyes. And I'm just like, there's a lot of crying oh, with, so with mom ma- conversations. There's so many crying. So Why many crying? so much crying? Because it's like, because it's me processing things emotionally. Is that it, normal? For, and for me, it's normal. I it's think like it's it. just, yeah. It's just, I just, you know, I cry sometimes. I cry. I, 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 I things, also cry. Yeah, it's the big feels. I'm normal. Yeah. Do you actually, though? No. You should.
0: No, I just, yeah. I'm a guy. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm I am I. guess I'm more like, if I were to be realistic in the way that I explain it, and for those who've yeah. listened to the podcast mm-hmm. before, I'm... I don't care about gender so much because it's not, like, a law of the universe. Right. Sex is not gender. Gender's really made up for yeah. our society. And even
1: sex is, like, there's a lot of misunderstandings about how it works.
0: Yeah, yeah. and, like, my like my my gods don't care what gender you are. <laughs> they, they only care about how much money you got and how how much power you got. Like, right. how powerful you are. And so, when someone's like, you're a guy, right? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not. I'm gender nonconforming, I guess. Yeah. But, like, in that same sense, if you called me a girl or a guy, I'd be like, whatever, I still lift more than you. Like, ha!
1: <laughs> like, I don't care. I love that. You know what I, I mean? That. Like yeah.
0: My gods do not care <laughs> yeah. about your gender at all. About my gender specifically. And so, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to derail, but I get what you're saying. Society has essentially labeled us as this thing because we're born as this thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so because of that, we go through certain experiences.
1: with how we're raised. Especially yeah. from
0: like the age of like five on, being how we're raised and how the world reacts to us. Uh-huh. And so it's very like you're taught to shrink down. Right. And stay out of the way. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm taught to like, essentially, unless you're providing or protecting something, you're useless as a male.
1: Uh-huh. And like,
0: yeah, I get it. Those, ex- those experiences and that energy that we get from society is... is defines who we are later on yeah sorry I didn't mean to go off on a tangent no no
1: I mean but that's but that's true because I think I mean again like I think the biggest if I were to summarize the biggest emotional breakthroughs that I've had have had to do with having confidence in my work having confidence in myself and my existence in the world is like being valid and I know that sounds super cheesy yeah, yeah and I think what's interesting about what kind of we both have shared is that like in terms of what can help lead people to these breakthroughs mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is about having conversations with other artists, you know, or like having mentors that you can like talk to. Cause you know, again, it's like for me, oftentimes I talk with my mom. You know, I'll sometimes also talk with Cody. You have talks with Yoshio Taylor. Yeah. You know, we also can see, like again, seeing redividers post about you know the his work quote unquote not being good enough to get into the show and seeing how other people react to these dynamics yeah. all helps inform and and guide and impact how we experience and deal with these dynamics and
0: that reaction is super based
1: <laughs> you know, Why? Like,
0: Why? Uh, i didn't let you into the art show because i didn't think it was good enough oh yeah let's see what the world thinks yeah <laughs> it, like yeah. good enough huh? And then getting more traction than the amount of attendance that the art show would probably get. Yeah. That's based as hell. I know. I love it. I love it. Just ran up on them. I I kind of admire it, honestly.
1: No, I do too. I think that's a really, I think that's an awesome reaction because again, like I think, especially if you're starting out, there's so much, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm projecting here, but I feel like there's a lot of concern about like you know, when am I? When am I good enough as an artist? You know, how do I sell my work? How do I get my work out there? What's what is success? You know, and and I think sometimes also people just don't even ask like themselves, what does it mean to be successful? And I think that question is huge because, yeah. you know, for you know, if it's does it mean getting into this specific art show? Okay, why? Like, let's look at some of the things behind that. And yeah, but I agree. That reaction was amazing.
0: I I enjoy the mentality of, and I know this is. It's very wordy to go through the motions like this, but, you know, I razor things down a lot. Yeah. But I enjoy the reaction of doing so good that they cannot ignore you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that facet, you you kind of, to a certain degree, have to ignore what their value system is. Yeah. Because in order for them to not ignore you, they could can, you can't be playing by their rules. You have to play by their rules and exceed them. Mm-hmm. You essentially have to... It's not about who did it first, it's about who did it better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, at the end of the road, if, we were, if I were to come... Press all of this down into to one like compressed piece of mental advice for anyone who finds these mental roadblocks, especially that of what we're talking about today. Them, yeah. Do them, yeah. Do what you do and do it better than they do it, yeah. When they're like, I don't really like this. Give a shit that you like, yeah. You'll find somebody who will care what you like. If you wouldn't take their advice, why are you taking their criticism? Oh, why? I like that. Why? Why? You know what I mean? And I meet, not so many, but I've met enough people in my life who will give me criticism and then I look at their work and I'm like, I wouldn't fall I wouldn't. Not to say that your work's not valid to you, Mm -hmm. but like, you're at a space where I was and I consider that not a bad space, but if that was a space of, I don't know, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't take your advice. So why am I listening to your value system when your Mm -hmm. value systems are not mine right now? Yeah. Yeah. them.
1: And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Mud Peddlers with Lindsay M. Dillon.
0: And Dante of Earth Nation.
1: Want to say hi and see what Dante and I are working on in our studios? Check out the show notes for links to our websites and social media below. You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. M as in monster. D-I-L-L-O-N dot com and on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lindsay M. Dillon.
0: And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled, but you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name, at Earth Nation Ceramics.
1: If you enjoyed hanging out with us today, or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review the Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners, and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.